This episode of the Comets Podcast, as always, is being brought to you by Huntington University. All Comet season ticket holders can take advantage of this great deal, 25% off all tuition at Huntington University. That's if you're a Comet season ticket holder. Just go to the Huntington University admissions office or call the Comet office and they'll get you steered in the right direction. Okay, let's do this week's show. It's another episode of the Huntington University Comets Podcast. Thank you so much for uh, giving this a little listen here today. It is I, Shane Alberani, and uh, again, we're sticking with the theme now that we are officially in Thanksgiving week. Thursday night, we have got the Bob Chase Memorial Game, and we all know what that's about as we are going to celebrate the life of Bob Chase. New specialty jerseys for the night. A Wowo's Penny Pitch will kick off, and uh, we'll all be sharing memories of Bob. And that's what this podcast is all about today, uh, as it was last week. And uh, if you haven't had a chance, please go back and listen to last week's tribute episode to Bob, and even go back uh, to episodes uh, uh, one and two way back uh, last November. Uh, you can check those out as well. But this episode is going to be just like last week's. I had so much information and so many clips and so much stuff to share that I had to make it two episodes. So, same deal. We're going to go through uh, some chapters of Bob's autobiography which you can get at bobchasebook.com. So check that out. Please, please purchase that, download it, and learn all about the great Bob Chase. And also, we'll be having uh, some uh, Bob Chase moments in there. We're going to have some great old calls and hopefully bring back a lot of memories for some folks. And if you're not familiar with Bob, hopefully uh, you will become a big Bob fan because he will, he will always be a part of Comet Hockey. All right, well, let's just get right to it, and I'll turn it over to Bob Chase. <music> up the slot to Prestige. Out at center ice it comes and into the zone as Kempthorne around the defense. Out front. Look, shoots. Great save, Zach Cartier. Just got a stick on it. Here's Vic starting to circle. Looks around. Tentatively broken up and in goes Prestige. He looks. He shoots. Danny Sancartier with a great save. Atwell to face it off against Mike Prestige. They need one quick. Here it comes as Wayne Bishop. He fires. Save. Rebound. Score! I believe Robbie Laird tipped it right over the top of Lestika. Robbie Laird gets the goal and a happy Robbie. We've got a tie hockey game. As Rob Laird picks up goal number 20. So, brand new hockey game here with 8.53 left. Pull down from behind. No penalty called. 
Now, break to the goal mouth it comes. Here's another one, as it is Atwell into the slot. Shot wide by Schreiber. Kempthorne on the boards in the corner. Now goes off behind his net. The puck poked away. After it goes Atwell, can't handle it. Now Atwell does get it, dumps it back in the corner. Laird and Harrison, they bang hard to the corner. In goes Atwell, bangs his man off the play. But it's centered out and back up ice comes Peoria. Glenn Oliver to the Port Lane line. In it goes to Mike Prestige, three on one. At the net, score! I believe it was Brad Kempthorne who got the goal as they came in on a three-on-one at 14-17. Peoria back in the lead again. Captain Dale Baldwin having a little discussion at this particular moment. As uh, we're looking for an illegal stick right now. And he's got it. Jerry August, who had too much hook in the stick, it was discovered by Coach Ron Elliott. He was waiting for the right time to uh, make a move on it. Yes, sir, it was a bad stick. As the referee now will initial it. With 4.49 left in this match. And it's a minor penalty to Jerry August, which gives the Comets a power play opportunity. As Pat Kelly looking a little chagrined on the far side with a 4-3 lead. And August... Uh, Gave a little uh, gesture there to Comet coach uh, Ron Elliott. The corner it goes, as it will be Wally Schreiber. Up the slot it comes. Schreiber down the left side, back up the middle to Vic Moore. And Vic, fire, save, rebound, Atwell, couldn't get a shot away. And back it comes, cleared nicely by the Peoria defense. Spins away from one check, he's nailed. Now it is Hillworth in the boards, out in front of the net. Here it comes as Wayne Bishop fires it at the goal wide. Now come out left side here, Steetson with a drive in front of net. Oh, it right at the goal mouth, and nobody got to it as Schreiber going through the goal crease. The puck slid in underneath the goaltender. Lastica almost went in, covered by Atwell, and back out comes Vic Morin. Morin starts towards center ice. They've got to get a rush on in a hurry as it's Rob Moats feeding it off wide left side. Baldwin at the line, trying to fire it through. Ron Megan on the boards, nailed by Poliziani, deep in his own. Kicks the puck loose. Poliziani's got it again. He's being ragged hard by uh, Glenn Oliver in the corner. Laird trying to come out with it, and he has pulled off the play completely. And out it comes, kept into the zone nicely by the Comets. In front of the net, Salvucci with a shot just wide. Far boards Laird, out in front of the net, knocked down. Turned back up the left boards, and out at center it comes. Steve Harrison around the far boards, trying to get it out at the point. Baldwin keeps it in around behind the net. Wiggler headed bounce away from him. Up it comes to Baldwin. Here's Baldwin on the left point as Vic Morin. Here comes Vic in front of the net, and instead of firing it, he cast it close. Here's another one at the goal mouth that's knocked down, thrown up into the crowd by the Peoria Prancers. And a penalty call for delay a game against Peoria. All right, the biggest faceoff of the night now with Doug Riggler in the faceoff circle. 15 seconds left, Thomas with a two-man advantage. Chapter 26, The Best Team, The Worst Loss. The 1959-1960 squad was just incredible. If it hadn't been for a couple of crazy bounces, we had everything to gain and just couldn't cash in on it. It just wasn't meant to be, I guess. That team finished 50-16-2, and, and they dominated because of the system they played and the way Ken coached. They didn't have to be the best complete package, but they had to be complete players so they could do what they had to do to make the team. That's why they were hard to beat, because they stayed within themselves. They were well-disciplined and waited for their opportunities, and when they got them, they buried them. It was fun to watch because it was fantastic hockey. The control that they had over the game, you never dumped the puck and chased it. They had a reason for everything they did. The funny part of that year was that we lost in the Turner Cup Finals to St. Paul. That was an amazing night. April 14th, 1960, Game 4. 
the Coliseum was pretty well filled because it was our first home game and we needed to win to tie the series. The darn thing goes into overtime and then one overtime after another. In the second overtime, in the second overtime was when Ronson had the penalty shot and everybody figured we were in great shape because he was unbelievable that season. When he went in on Glenn Ramsey, the puck bounced a little bit and Lenny just flat out missed it. It was right there. After that, it was just a stupid shot that hit somebody's stick and ricocheted up into the air and hit the Comets goaltender in the back, rolled down and into the net to give them the win. Everybody lost it for a second and then it was in the net. It was so anticlimactic the way they played the game to have it end on something sloppy like that. St. Paul was a good hockey club and they had a great coach, Freddie Shiro. The game finally ended at 1.25 a.m. in the fourth overtime. The game went so long, people were leaving at 11.30 because it was a Monday night, but other people were coming in. The second shifters were getting off at Harvester, and they all came running out. Some people who had left the game early came out to the bar and came back in. Hartley McLeod was bartending at Neil's Oyster Bar, so it's about midnight, and there are about three or four people in the bar, and he shuts the bar down and says, Come on, jump in the car, and we'll go to the hockey game. 20 after 1 in the morning, the game finally finishes. The Comets came back to win the next one, but there was really nothing to do because both teams were so gassed. Give the Comets credit because they came back and forced a Game 7 before St. Paul won it. That's when it's tough to lose a championship on our own ice after you'd almost won it. They got to jump on us in that last game because of that. That was the famous game where I had a little mishap thanks to George Drysdale. As the game wound on, I hadn't had a chance to get anything to drink, so I asked George to get me something after the third overtime. George walked down to the press room and grabbed a bottle of soda. As he walked back up to the press box, he gets stopped by Jimmy Stovall, who says, What have you got there? George tells him, and Jimmy goes, I've got something that'll keep him awake, and he has George pour the soda into a nearby trash can. Then Jimmy pulls out a flask and fills the bottle with that. George comes back to the press box, hands me the bottle, and says, That's the only thing I could find. At this point, there are only 30 seconds left until the start of the next overtime. So I tilt my head back. Opening faceoff. Who's got it? Connets. At his own blue line, Guy Dupuis. Cross to Marinovic. Up the wall. Turned in nicely by the Comets. And back in the corner. Chased down by the D-man, Sean Fisher. Here they come. Waiting around. And Fisher feeds it up the left wall. At center ice. Broken up by Fort Wayne. Surprise. Here we go. Shaft. Nope. It's yeah, Shaffy there. He's around behind the net. He's out. Shoot! Oh, what a save! God, what a save on that one! Four on four. Two one Comets, and back we come, moving hard to center. Here comes Robinson, right down the middle, cutting the left side, looks to the point at the net. Nice hit on the call. Chuck. Oh, look out! Oh, what a save! And jammed was, I think it was Besser coming in, was it? By the D-man MacArthur. MacArthur deep, Chalk chasing him. Now MacArthur coming back, Chalk on him again. MacArthur keeps coming. The hook Thomas on. broke it up and into the zone. Why? Chalk walking in. Cut yard, score! Thomas gets the goal. Yeah, there's going to be some complaining here, I guarantee it. And at center ice, the conversation continues. Yeah, Ramsey's over here, and he's uh, he's jumping up and down, too, so... Very upset with a the call there on them, but we get a break. Wow. We'll take it. He's into the corner going after it. He's there. Him. He's got it. Comets have it. Now up it comes to uh, Veroni. Veroni to O'Connor. O'Connor behind the net. Picked up by Hodgman. Hodge gets away. He's out front. He scores! scores! Hodgman! Say goodnight, guys. Oh, my. Oh, 
my, on Wowo. Comet, hockey. Hodgman. No, nobody got 10 yet. Oh. Out to Litwin, half wall. Litwin coming out top for Jake Pence. Jake, look, shoot. It's a save. Picked off by Stoffaker. Stoffaker up the wall. Nailed by Chuck. In front. A drive just missed by Litwin. Out front. Oh, Thomas. Right through the goal crease. After it again, they couldn't get there. Up they come. And at center, the crowd's starting to get at it now. In it goes. Robinson going deep. Looking for help. The side of the net can't play it. Back around the wall. Chalk in, works hard with a minute left in this match. Rounded comes far side. It's Aldoff waiting. Aldoff turning it out. Round they come, trying to get it up top. Chalk, look. Crowd's all standing. Hey, and uh, here we come, down into the zone. Here's Jake behind the net a little more. Here comes Chalk out of the zone. Back to Jake behind the net. And now we're going to hold it for a while. Came up on the left wall to Pence. Pence now, look, still has it. And Ten seconds. Up the wall, Bertram dumps it out to center ice. Five seconds, four seconds. Picked up, and Shaffy drives it deep into the zone. Comets win the Turner. There we go. Five games in. There they go. The bench is emptying, and they're mobbing the Comet goaltender as Nick Boucher pulls them through. Back-to-back Turner Cups for the Comets. Hey, it doesn't get any better than this. On Wowo, this is Comet Hockey. Never know who's next, and it's all in the name of Championship Hockey, the Fort Wayne Comets. Turner Cup champions for the second consecutive year. Let's hear it again. Come on, give these guys the work. Tell you what, we are going to wrap it up from here. Thank you for a great season. The club thanks you as well. God bless y'all. See you around. On Wowo, this has been Fort Wayne Comet Hockey. Chapter 28, the first Turner Cup. There was one special game that was the turning point in the whole history of the playoffs for the Comets. Chuck Adamson had been playing well, but Muskegon was really putting it on us that night. The funny thing is, we'd had some injuries, and we brought in a kid named Gary Sharp from Greensboro of the Eastern League. Right off the bat, bingo, Sharpie scores, and we're up one to nothing. Then all of a sudden, we dried up big time. Lionel Repka was injured, and it gets four to one or five to one, and Ken figures we have to go back home the next night. Let's not take any more chances with Lionel. So he pulled him out of the lineup, and now it's six to one, and it's still early in the second period. All of a sudden, early in the second period, Lenny walks through the team, and bingo. He's got two goals before the end of the period, and it ends up 6-4 after two. But we're still back of the eight ball, and we're having a tough time getting it to go. In the third period, Chuck is running all around, and he's standing on his head, and all of a sudden, he's in the corner, and there's a wide-open net, and here comes the puck out of nowhere. As if by magic, this great big long stick of Eddie Long's comes whipping through the goal crease and clears the puck. That, to me, was really the key. It would have been 7-4 to four at that time, and lo and behold, we kept nipping away, and we worked it up to 6-6 six to six at the end of regulation. The line of Reggie Primo, Norm Wozlowski, and Roger Masonoff just kept coming, and we won 7-6. to six. When the whole thing was over, I went into the Mohawks' dressing room because they were expecting to come back to Fort Wayne the next night and win, and they were all sitting there in a state of shock 20 minutes after the game was over. They hadn't taken their gear off yet, Joe Kiss, who was one of their big tough guys, was sitting just inside the door when I came around the corner to look, and his eyes were just as red as they could be. He was crying like a baby because they never thought they were going to lose it. It was one of those miracle finishes.
Reggie, Norm, and Roger were incredibly instrumental in the third period to get us back to where we belong. And Reggie won the face-off back to Roger. Well, good afternoon, good evening, and how the heck are you? We're, of course, at McMoran Arena. We're in Fort Huron, Michigan. We're in the Mike Emmerich press box, and we're going to be doing a game from here tonight between the Comets and the Fort Huron Icehawks. And the Hawks are one point ahead of the Comets at 18. Comets now have 17. They're in fourth spot. There'll be help on the way for Nick coming in tomorrow. They'll have another established goaltender ready to go. Of course, with uh, the misfortune uh, to uh, LaPlante, that's been really a shot in the head. And, of course, then uh, this morning we find that Matt Curdo is gone at least two weeks in Norfolk to the American Hockey League. But, of course, as Coach Sims said in the pregame interview, which we're unable to bring to you, Matt earned it. He's had uh, 13 goals in 14 games. He's, uh, you just uh, you, you take what you can, you work for it, and uh, goodness knows Curdo has worked extremely hard. All the way far wall. Back up in front of the net. It's all the way back up top. And Dupuis slides down to Chalk. In it comes. Chalk got it back. And now Dupuis got it back. He's got to do something with it in a hurry. Here it is. Up top. And a drive. It's wide of the net. Score. Rebound. It goes to Osmond. Round they come. One more time. Comets now. Back up ice. Coming to center. Going to the line. It's Huckalo. And he goes. A drive by Druin. Came off the wall. Huckalo digs it out. At the point, Warner shot. The rebound back up top again. Huckalo squeezed it on the board. Here they come back up the middle. Warner, another score! Somebody may have reached it. Warner kept firing away. 1.53. To the left of their goaltender, Kevin DeFosse. Ready, set. Chalk to the draw. Tip to the wall. Back up. It comes. A score! It's Osmond. He got to the puck. Let her fly through a screen. Dingo. It's 3-2 Comets. Big one. Chalk tips it loose. Out at the point. Picked up by Druin. Now Druin back to Chalk down the left wall. Here's Chalker looking up top. Druin a drive. Rebound. Scramble. Front of the net. Chalk sends it up top. They poke away. Kept in by PC. PC feeds to Chalk. Chalk coming back down the wall. Here he comes. at the net. Shot save. Score! Huckalo gets the goal on a rebound from Chalk. Huckalo. Wowee, the Comets give it away in their own zone again. Ford Huron with a two-on-O, mind you, a two-on-O. And Boucher made the save, and Nick is down. Power play coming up now for Ford Huron. Here we go. Warner with a cross kick. Call. On the same call, they call double penalties and five on three for two minutes. Now, if that's not running the scoreboard, you got to have it coming. I don't understand what's wrong with these guys. They're paid to keep law and order in a game, not to influence it. And this is definitely a lousy penalty as they tried to influence the numbers. I'm going to try to keep it alive. Knock down and look out. P.C. Drew and sends it all the way back into the zone. Chipped in by Veroni deep in the corner. With a rebound now, Tatro coming around. Up to net, score! Comets with the rebound. Who was there? It was Osman again. A little battle going down there between Lovell and Maranovic. And Maranovic puts Lovell down and he's on him. That's the end of that one. Taken by Bertram. Bert slides it back in the corner. Twelve seconds left. <clears throat> around the wall, Fort Huron trying to come back. 
at center. Long lead pass. Lindbergh, Fort Wayne zone. Firewalls there. Going to the front of the net. Carroll, they get it off behind the net instead. As after comes Osman and right at the whistle. That takes care of that. No further damage done. And enough of the big guys were out there. If anybody had a little idea about something they wanted to do or not to do, they squelched it. Big win for uh, Nick Boucher coming up with a 5-3 victory here tonight. And the Comets gained ground apparently on uh, Muskegon. We'll have to wait and see. As Muskegon with uh, six minutes left at home was trailing Bloomington 5-1. Now something that's hard to believe. Final shots on goal, 46-19, favoring the Port here in Ice Hawks. Now I know they got some shots. I know Nick was busy. But 46-19, I'm not too sure about that one. Not too sure. The offense seems to be awakening, and boy, is that a happy, happy thought. Chapter 29, Helping Doc Get His Start. One day a young man of maybe 16 came into the station at 124 West Washington in 1957 and said who he was and that he had been listening and he really wanted to be a sports broadcaster. So we had a long conversation about it, and he was such an intense, dedicated young guy that you had to like him right off the bat. He was just the perfect little man. That kid was Mike Emmerich, who today is the dean of NHL broadcasters. I told him that any time he had a chance, what he should do was get a little recorder and try doing a game, then come up if he wanted to, and we'd talk it over. He was practically there the next day. He came back to the station, and we listened to it. I gave him a few little hints and stuff to get it started, but holy cow, you really could tell he had such an enthusiasm for what he was doing. This just kept rolling, and he got better at it. He would sit up in the end of the press box, and before that he would sit up in the corners of the building talking into his tape recorder. He always felt he was going to disturb somebody in the press box, but he really didn't. In those days, there was a lot of room up in the corners. He didn't do every game at that point, but he would show up on weekends and whenever he got a chance. Maybe he'd come out before a game and we'd run some stuff and go over some little things. When he went to college, he continued to pursue that dream. At that point, he ended up in Marion, Indiana, doing some on-air stuff, but he was pretty restless. I told him, Michael, just keep your ear to the ground. Something will show up someplace, whatever it is. If it means you have to go in and wash underwear to get into the hockey club, do whatever it takes to get your foot in the door. He got his foot in the door in Port Huron, and he wasn't a broadcaster. He went in as the PR man. I know he was a little frustrated, but the guy who was their radio man had been there for quite a while. Finally, through misfortune, Mike got his chance when their play-by-play man was killed in a bus accident coming out of Des Moines. It was a bittersweet thing for Mike, but he was really ready for it, and he did a nice job. Bob McCammon was the coach there at the time, and he knew Mike well. When Fred Shiro left Philly in 1978, McCammon came in, and he brought Mike with him. The people who owned the Flyers took an immediate liking to Michael. He was versatile and could do a lot of things. He did some of their play-by-play, and he was soon noticed because of his unusual style. He didn't have that old hockneyed Canadian style. God bless those who broke the trail for it. They did some great work in their way, but because of Foster Hewitt, almost every Canadian broadcaster when he started as a kid adopted his style, which was a classic style at the time, almost monotone. Danny Gallivan broke the mold in Montreal, but he did it in French, so I couldn't understand what he was saying. But Mike was excitable, and he really brought the thing to life, as he still does today. He adds more to hockey games with peripheral information and still maintains your interest in the game more than anyone I've ever heard, and that makes him so great. He's an encyclopedia of information that he distributes in a timely fashion that is always apropos to the situation. He just has a wonderful ability to weave so much story into a game. He was out of the game for a while, in a lull until they rediscovered him. He finished college and got his doctorate, which is how he comes by the nickname Doc. He didn't do play-by-play for a while, and he even taught in college. 
He was looking for an alternative direction, but he realized, as many people do, the love of what you really like to do overwhelms even your better judgment sometimes. Fortunately for the people who listen and watch, he got himself full-time back in the game. I don't know who Mike's agent is, but he can be very fortunate to have the property like Mike, because Mike is so sellable and so genuine and sincere. I envy him for his traits. I wish I could emulate them as well as he does. I don't know what Mike ever took from me. When he told Mike something, it was there in the encyclopedia. What about bias? Should an announcer cheer for another team, says Bob Chase. With the hockey team, of course, as a professional organization, I have a tendency and a really a right to be a little biased in favor of the home team, which I think uh, any sportscaster should be, not to go overboard with it, but yet should show enough favoritism at the right time when the breaks are going, or if they're not going, not to comment overtly on them. But in high school basketball or college basketball, uh, it isn't what I call my home team. Even when Fort Wayne City High School teams are playing other schools in tournament play, it's, it's very difficult and I think very unfair to be biased because our listening area is so great that you have parents and friends of both teams listening, and I like to always try to ride the middle of the road and treat them as fairly and squarely as I possibly can. Every sportscaster has his own card of greatest thrills at the microphone. Bob Chase is no exception. Indeed they do. In just about all sports, uh, I've had some great thrills in, uh, in Big Ten football. I, I can't uh, think of the date at the moment. I think it was about five years ago. And the bucket game at Purdue in Indiana was a definite underdog and defeated them 12-7 to 7 on Nate Ramsey's interception and a 97-yard run. That was a great thrill for me in, uh, in, in uh, football. In basketball, I started doing basketball in Indiana the year that Milan beat Muncie Central. And that, to me, had to be one of the the most sensational things I have ever seen in high school basketball. Uh, in hockey, of course, I have had a number of thrills, uh, mostly probably in playoffs because of some great comebacks the Four Wayne Hockey Clubs have had, as well as some great teams that practically waltzed through seasons. I know uh, one night it turned out not to be as big a thrill as I'd anticipated. I started a game at 8 o'clock at night, and it went into a record series of overtimes, and I was still doing play-by-play -play at 25 after 1 the next morning. But I think probably within recent years, as I recall it, although we lost the series to the Dayton Gems, the final game played here in Fort Wayne and the dramatic last-second goal by Len Thornton will stick in my mind for a long time. With 11 seconds, turned out in front of the goal, Garant, ridden off the puck by Berman, played by Goodwin, a shot wide again. Thornton back out front, diving on it and hanging on. With three seconds to go is Rick Best. 2-1 Gems, and it all happened in the first period. All right, Garant and Waslowski ready for the face-off. Every comment now standing. Three seconds remaining. The crowd is quiet. And Waslowski will face off against Sid Garant. Thornton out in the shooting hole. Waz now looks. They're ready. The draw. Waz gets it. Thornton shoots. Scores! Listening to Face Off, the International Hockey League. This week's chapter on this side of the boards. Chapter 34 Chances at the Apple. I was pretty well involved in hockey at the local level with WoWo and had never envisioned myself as being an NHLer. I began to get comments from a lot of people who listened to WoWo who thought I had a unique way of doing games. 
It still didn't start my interest in being an NHL announcer. Then one day I got a call. The first chance I got to go to the NHL was with WBC, the Westinghouse station in Boston. They carried the Bruins. That would have been around 1959 or 1960, and they were in the process of changing play-by-play men at the time. I had had a chance to go to WBZ in another capacity before that as a morning drive man because of my jock background, but I turned it down. At this time, they'd interview several people for the job, and I was told by the GM that if I wanted the job, he was pretty sure he could get it for me. At that point, the Bruins had a lot to say about who went on, and back then when there were only six teams, it was very political to get a play-by-play job. The GM told me the story and said, if you come to work here to do this job, Don't worry about it because you're protected. We'll make sure nobody messes with you. I asked what happened to the guy before that, and this kind of thing happened all the time. Maybe a guy has been on the air for four or five years, and his big sponsor is Rosebud Coffee. All of a sudden, Rosebud is gone, and the next sponsor is Bokar Coffee. And their representative says, I don't want that guy. He's Rosebud Coffee, so I want a new voice. When that happened, you had to go with the flow. He said, there will be some animosity, but we'll protect you. I said, if I have to come out and take a job like that with that hanging over my head, I don't want it. After that, I had another chance when the Minnesota North Stars came in before they hired Wally Shaver's dad. Wally was the voice of the Saginaw Gears. I could have had the North Stars job ahead of Wally Shaver's dad, but I didn't want that because, again, it was a contract job. It had no affiliation to any station. I'd go in on a contract basis, and maybe they'd like me for a year or two, and maybe they wouldn't after that, and I'd be out in the cold. I didn't care for that kind of deal either. Then in 1967, I had been elevated to marketing director at WoWo. And the first day, I'm on the new job, and about 10.30 the phone rings, and it's the Detroit Red Wings. They want to know if I'm interested in coming to Detroit as the voice of the Wings, which was my dream job. I turned it down because Westinghouse had been very good to me. I had just assumed a brand new position and had a lot of responsibility in their organization, and I loved the people I worked with. As badly as it broke my heart, Number one, I turned it down because of Bruce Martin. Had it been someone other than Bruce, maybe I would have overlooked even the Westinghouse stuff, but there was no way I was going to come in directly behind a good friend of mine. Eventually, Bruce got his job back because they hired some people who didn't do a very good job, and also they tried to cut Bud Lynch out, and he was their broadcaster before Bruce. Bud came in and did color for Bruce, and it was a pretty good combination. I don't think I would have had any trouble in there because I had known Lynch for a period of time, But Bruce was hanging in the background, and I didn't want that job. I started doing hockey because of Bruce leaving WSOO and going to Detroit to become the voice of the Red Wings. I had been doing hockey in Marquette at the same time Bruce was doing hockey in the Sioux. In 1968, they were having problems in St. Louis because Jack Buck would do their games until the Cardinals opened spring training, and then it was see you later. Gus Kyle was an old hockey man, and he'd fill in the rest of the year. He was also their ticket manager. KMOX had their night show on, and they're talking about how come they have to play second fiddle with Jack Buck, and somebody calls in and says, If you're looking for a hockey play-by-play man, I've got the guy. All you have to do is listen to WoWo 1190 in Fort Wayne. Sid Solomon III, who owned the club, called me and wondered if I'd be interested. He asked how soon I could come down to talk to them. I had three or four days and skipped down between games. They said they would get back to me, and they did, with several times to come down there when they needed me to do some games. I'd do it Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They did a lot of back-to-back games then. I went down and did five games with them. When it was over, Solomon said, We have definitely decided we want you. You're our guy. So he takes me down through the offices, and he introduces me around, including Gus Kyle, as the new voice of the St. Louis Blues. 
Then he took me to KMOX, and they had an incredible nucleus of people at that time, and Jack Buck was in the meeting. He's the Lord, and he gets up and says, Well, Chase, I've heard you myself, and I think you do a heck of a job for St. Louis. I'm really pleased that you're here. If there's anything you need in St. Louis, you just give me a call, and I'll do anything to help. I said, I really appreciate that. But one word of caution, keep your blasted hands off the St. Louis Cardinals. Then he started laughing. No, I'm only kidding. I said, kidding or not, the only thing I'm interested in St. Louis are the Blues. In a matter of days, I had accepted the job, but I told them I couldn't come in immediately because I had some commitments to fulfill in Fort Wayne. They said I could get by until I get there. What killed it all is I'm leaving the station at 4.45 on a Friday to do the IHSAAA championships in Indianapolis on Saturday. They call and they want me in St. Louis on that Saturday and Sunday to do the Chicago and Detroit games. I say there's no way I can possibly do that because I'm going to the state finals, and this is an obligation I have for the station. That's what it took really to get Kyle and some of the guys working in the background to torpedo me. I hadn't talked to Mr. Solomon, so whatever they said probably cooked my goose. So Monday I called to tell him how sorry I was, and all of a sudden I can't talk to anybody because they are out and about and gone. I finally wrote a letter to Mr. Solomon because they owed me for two games I had done. I had got a letter back saying they had made a decision. Scotty Bowman had brought a friend in from Ottawa, and they liked what they had heard, and he was available immediately, so they were going to hire him. The rest of that story was legendary because Dan Kelly was one of the greatest play-by-play men of all time. A couple of years after that, when the All-Star Game was in St. Louis, I was there for the dinner the night before, and after the dinner, I went up and said, Dan, can I talk to you for a little bit? I just wanted to meet you and congratulate you on your tremendous job you do. My name is Bob Chase, and I'm from Fort Wayne. He says, oh my gosh, you're kidding. Just a minute, honey, honey, you'll never guess who this is. She says, no, Dan, I won't. He says, okay, when we were back in Ottawa, who did we listen to doing hockey games in the States? Honey, this is Bob Chase. Dan Kelly listened to me religiously out of Ottawa. If I were going to lose a job to anybody, I would feel honored to lose the job to Dan Kelly. He was an amazing broadcaster, and his son does a great job now. He was a perfect gentleman, very talented, and a real good guy. Scotty said a couple of times over the years, it's amazing that we could have worked together. At that time, Scotty had come from the Ottawa 67s, and Dan Kelly was their play-by-play man. The next chance I had was with the Washington Capitals. Lefty McFadden, who owned the Dayton franchise, was hired by Mr. Abe Poland to be one of his executives in Washington. When Lefty got there, he called me and said, Bob, I'd like to bring you here to Washington and be a part of our sports pool here in the organization. It was a really strange thing because they had this talent pool of sports announcers. You weren't Mr. Hockey or Mr. Basketball or Mr. Football, but you were hired into the pool. It was very, very uncertain because this was just beginning. Whether I was going to be the big dog or not, hockey was still a question. If I was going to go, I wanted to be the voice of the Caps. Lefty was pretty sure it was going to happen, and if I could be patient, he'd work it out. I told Lefty, a bird in the hand is still worth two in the bush to me. I know I'm not making sensational money here, but I am concerned with the state of mind and stability. I've got a wife, I've got kids, and I don't want to be out tramping around and lose the incredible job with this company. As badly as I want to do hockey, I think I have to think of my family and their security first. If I knew I was going to be the voice, that would be one thing, but wow. He said, I can't say anything more than that right now, Bob, because I'm new here myself and I'm trying to get in. A lot of people probably would have jumped at that first thing that came along. I've never been much of a jumper. The only two jobs that broke my heart were the Red Wings job and the Blues job because they were jobs with the hockey club. The rest were all contract jobs. First, you have to have an agent, 
and I didn't want to get into that level. I don't regret that I didn't get those jobs. In hindsight, my life couldn't get any better than this. I'm not rich, but I'm happy. I was talked to by KDKA at one time, and they were at Westinghouse Station in Pittsburgh, and at that time they were bidding for the Penguins. They wanted to know if I would be available if they got the contract, and I said yes. The bid didn't come open at that time, and they eventually got the contract about two years later, but at that time I didn't care anymore. The strange part of it is, I never called any of them. They all called me, which was amazing, and I can thank WoWo for that. A lot of people that I never met for many years, until I went to the NHL meetings in Montreal. I'd be in a group and somebody would say, by the way, have you ever met Bob Chase? The reaction would be, oh my god, I've listened to you for years and have never met you. It's amazing the hockey people in the NHL who listen to me as they traveled back and forth. I tried to be as complete as I could at the time and talk about the NHL scores and such, and a lot of people just listened. Well, good evening. Are you ready? Number 57 for me, number 58 for the hockey club, starting in Dayton, and it's sort of uh, back to the future. The first game ever played in this building featured the Dayton Gems and the Fort Wayne Comets. So there'll be a lot of new faces and new names in the lineup tonight for the Comets. Uh, I can run them down just a little bit for you. Of course, Guy Dupuy and Danko Moranovic are old hands. Rick Veroni is back. Ivana Sadashev, he has been with the Comets, left and came back. And then there's tough guy Brad McMillan, who's back again. Keith Roger, who came in right at the end of last year, got 11 games in, and then continued in the playoffs with a sterling effort. And, of course, uh, we have the first father-son duo to make the lineup. Bobby Phillips is back, as he's a big kid, 3-6-3, three, 2-10. Uh, three, three, Looking good. David Huckalo not in the lineup tonight. Kevin Bertram's back and ready to go. Constantine Shafranov, Matt Serizinski, a former Comet, is back. And Leo Thomas, who had a great playoff series. Blair Stazer, who was really a bad guy last year. He played in Kalamazoo, and he was one of their roughhouse tough guys. And, of course, we have a newcomer, a kid that can really fly, Vince Lacey. And he is a right winger. P.C. Druin, the guy who won last year's scoring title. And another young fella looks going to be a very good, solid young guy. A kid uh, at six feet, his name is Matt Woodward. He and Keith Roger are good buddies. He is also a defenseman. And another Fort Wayne player, Kaleigh Schrock. And, uh, of course, uh, he's a rookie starting, 5'11", 190, and he has worked his buns off to prove to Al Sims he belongs on this hockey club. He will be in the starting line, in the lineup tonight, not not necessarily the starting lineup. And, of course, old reliable Colin Chalk is back for another one. The goaltending battle shook out really fairly quickly, and the surprise of camp may have been Timmy Hahn. Hahn did not allow a goal in preseason. He was positively airtight. Nick Boucher, of course, coming in, uh, trying to get himself back in playing shape again. And, of course, as of uh, at least prior to training camp, the number one guy in the goaltending department was Nick Boucher. What will happen tonight? We'll have to wait and see just how in the world they are going to start them, and that will be coming along in just a short while. We've had our opening ceremony. Three numbers have been hoisted to the rafters from the old Dayton Gems, and I knew them all well, and they were great hockey players and deserved the honor they're getting here. Guy Trache, of course, still active with the club. He was one of the best goal scorers in the IHL in his day. Not big, but was he strong. When Guy got in front of that net, you couldn't move him with a stick of dynamite. And he knew how to tip him in, go after him. Hard-nosed kid, gave no quarter to anybody. And he was the first banner to be hoisted. 
And uh, just prior to game time, I had a tap on the back while I was working, and I looked back, and no pun intended, there was Warren back. Now, Warren played here. He also, of course, played up in uh, Muskegon, another great hockey player, as there were so many of during the old IHL days. And I had always contended the IHL was a better league than the American Hockey League. And it must have had some credibility because on many occasions we tried to arrange all-star games with the American Hockey League and the IHL. You pick the venue, we'll send the team. They wouldn't even talk to us. They wanted nothing to do with the IHL. We uh, served as the Renegade League. When anybody wasn't playing well, they'd say, either straighten up or we'll send it to the eye. And you want to get beat up in a hurry, that's where you go. That wasn't the case at all. Anyway, Warren back. His number is probably up and uh, standing there. And uh, everybody's enjoying it. He wore number 17. Had a great career in the old IHL as well. And the third number that's up is uh, posthumously been awarded to one of the real wonderful goaltenders in the old eye, as Robbie Irons could attest to. Pat Ruff, boy, was this guy a tough, tough customer. Could he goaltend? I mean, really go. Uh, Pat's number has been hoisted to the rafters here tonight in their Hall of Fame retirement situation, and Pat's widow uh, accepted uh, the honor on behalf of Pat. They're off the ice now. And, of course, uh, at this point in time, the ice is being reflooded in anticipation of getting the puck back underway and the IHL back again at Hera Arena in Dayton, Ohio. Would you have thought it? Not really. Roger sends it into the zone. Around they come. Veroni gets away from his check, turned back up the wall, and this one is blocked, and Woodward tries. They got a two-on-one going the other way. Here it goes. They shoot. Score! Time of the goal, 6.08 or 6.07. It was a shorthanded goal. And right now, it's 1 nothing in favor of the Dayton Gems. And on Wolwo, this is Chapter 36 Incidents in Other Arenas. Toledo was always a riot. I don't care when you went in there. One night they had this big kid, Chris Katsopoulos who goes after Jumbo Goodwin, and he really worked him over. Jumbo wasn't a fighter at that point. I couldn't believe a guy with Katsopoulos' size and skill was so gutless he had to pick on somebody like Jumbo. Well, apparently his parents were listening in Toronto. The press box was right over the ice and maybe 35 feet up. So the next time we go in there, it's a warm-up, and some guy pokes me and says, Some guy down there wants to talk to you. I look over, and here's Katsopoulos, and he's calling me every name in the book. And he said if he ever saw me where he could get a hold of me, he was really going to take care of me. Feeling in the spirit of the thing, I flipped him the bird, which didn't help. So all the time in warm-ups, all he could do was look up at me and shake his fist. I tell you, I screwed him up big time. He had a horrible hockey game. It never got resolved because I never saw him, and he never saw me. You had to walk out of the back door in Toledo right by the locker room of Toledo's team. Another night, we get in there and we're totally besieged. The fans are banging on the locker room door, and they want us bad. Teddy Wright had played in Toledo before he had played for us, and he gets up and says, You ready, guys? So he darts out and grabs this guy and yanks him into the dressing room and shuts the door. He says, Okay, now you're going to pay. They threatened the guy, and they were going to make him run the gambit with hockey sticks. They scared the heck out of this guy. Teddy says, Here's your alternative. Get in the shower. They soaked him down completely, and Teddy brought him to the door and said, now you can tell the rest of those guys, if there's anybody else who wants to start screaming and hollering, it won't be just me. 
it will be four or five of us, and we're going to drag him in here, and it won't be as easy as you getting wet. They cleared out completely from around the dressing room. Even when we walked out of the building, they stood about 15 feet away to scream. The only place I've ever been swung at was in Toledo, and that was on dime beer night. We'd come in early, and this one concession stand was always open early, and I'd get my coffee and talk to the ladies. One of them says, I wish we weren't here tonight. I said, what's the matter? It's dime beer night, and the regular people don't even come on dime beer nights. It's just a mess. We don't even like it. It just so happened that one of these nights when the young guys got overly brave, a lot of people used to scream at me from five feet away. They'd spit on me and stuff like that, but they'd never get too close. And a lot of them were kids. You didn't dare touch a kid. In those days, I had two great big boxes to carry that were probably 35 to 40 pounds each. I'm going around the corner, and there were kids who are just hammered, screaming and yelling, and one guy comes up and takes a swing at me. He missed me, and I dropped everything, and I grabbed him by the lapels, and I jammed him up against the wall. All of a sudden, here comes two ushers, and they're backing me so the other kids stay away. I told the kid, you have two choices, and none of them are good. You get out of here right now, or if you want to give me any crap, I'm going to nail you. I let him down, and he took off. He didn't realize I was very serious. He really tipped me. I don't normally get angry. I learned from the time I was young, you just don't lose your temper. But I did that night because he took a swing at me. The two ushers backed me up and said, Bob, if there are any repercussions, we are your witnesses. They wrote their names down and gave them to me, and we never heard a thing. That was the only time I've ever been physically accosted. I was just lucky that the other kids didn't grab my gear and run away with it. I think I surprised everybody, including myself. We were coming out of Toledo another night, and the stick boys are putting the bags on the bus, and Ralph Keller comes out and walks around to the other side and see guys pulling the bags out of the other side. Uh, good evening. Tonight we are at the Huntington Center in Toledo, Ohio, marking another brand-new experience, Back to the Future. As the Comets in Toledo for years and years in the old IHL were tremendous competitors. And the name of the team now are the Toledo Walleyes. And, of course, that's in honor of the greatest walleye fishing lake maybe in the world, Lake Erie. Had a chance to talk with Al Sims, and why not, about tonight's action and the team. This one tonight, Back to the Future. It's been a long time since we dropped a puck in Toledo, Ohio, and the surroundings have changed so drastically, it's like, like a fairy tale. <laughs> Al Sims has been here before. I haven't been in this barn, but you've been doing a lot of watching. Al, this is kind of an exciting night for me. Yeah, I, I would think so, Bob. First time in 15 years. I've never uh, played Toledo in my uh uh, coaching uh, career so uh, this will be a first for me and uh, you know it's a nice new building here uh, I think it holds about 6,000 fans and they get good crowds here and uh, you know they usually play well here well of course uh, it was a pleasant conclusion last week Charlie Effinger put on a heck of a show uh, and uh, if he had any doubts about Charlie I don't think anybody did but he sure he proved what he wants to do didn't he yeah he did he was uh, outstanding uh, especially in the third period we had a run of penalties there that uh, you know some five-on-threes, et cetera, et cetera, and Charlie uh, really came up big and, you know, ended up stopping 43 shots on the way to his first shutout as a common. Watching last week, of course, with Henley sitting on the shelf for a one-game suspension, I thought everybody just positively paid the price. They took up the slack. I thought, uh, you know, some of the young defensemen played their best game. I thought uh, Ryan Hagerty and Dan Nicolot uh, played outstanding. Uh, you know, Nick Schaus was was great. Uh, you know, all our young guys really, uh, really came through, and, uh, you know, that made the uh, the loss of Henley uh, um, seem uh, not quite as bad. 
And uh, we have another another new old player, Mr. Bodegard is here. That's uh, the younger brother of uh, a kid who got some wonderful raves around this town. He was a very big favorite. Yeah, uh, Thomas Beauregard, uh, you know, David, I think, played with uh, Colin Chalk for a couple of years and, and had some great years here. Uh, uh, Thomas is a goal scorer. Um, they believe he scored 30 goals last year in the Central Hockey League in Wichita. And uh, well, Marino's torched things pretty well so far. <laughs> yeah, Brandon, uh, what can you say? 11 points yeah. in six games says it all. And All right, here we come. J.M. Risk heads for center ice to face it off against Travis Novak. This game underway. The opening uh, face-off goes to Toledo. They send it right back to their own blue line. All right, now Marino along with Smith and the other winger up top is going to be Beauregard. They send it wide as Marino puts it out at the point, lost it on the play as Rogers trying to go by the D. He works on by Schrockler, by drive, score! They got a shorthanded goal. Back in the corner. Tipped off the wall. Now trying to move it down deep. Marino dug it out of there. They knock it down again. And here we come. Cross ring. Comets have it. Chalk can't get the shot away. Now he's going deep. Ah, behind the net. Knock loose. Front of the net. Score! Right in front of the net. Brent Smith gets the goal to tie it. Chalk coming up the wall. And it's poked on by. Here we come one more time. Comets pulled off the play from behind. And, I mean, we had a big one down in the corner as Britton really hung one on his guy. Schausnow comes out to center. Into the zone we come. All the way up on the corner. It is a... Oh, and missing a net that time on an unbelievable play was Britton. Britton came up, had the perfect pass, couldn't finish it off, and he goes on the forecheck, steals it. Out front again it comes, and that time Chalk out front. Bouncing puck, couldn't handle it. Comets now with the puck. Henley coming up the near wall. Nicely cleared to center as the little winger Marino bounced it down in the corner. Chalk with a good hard forecheck. Back up of the puck. Fights for it again. All the way up the middle of the drive. And a score! It was the big D-man Maggio. Unwinding one and blasting it on by Pierce. Maj gets the goal at 11.45. All right, uh, we're having a little conversation here, and I told you we had a little something to work on, didn't I? Well, next Friday night, I will share the microphone, an 8 o'clock start, Memorial Coliseum against the Evansville Iceman with Mike Emery. I never dreamed in my lifetime, after all the years we have been friends, and of all the things that he has accomplished in his lifetime, that at some point in time, this old guy can sit down with that fresh young fella and share a microphone to do a hockey game and uh, enjoy it with me as we share the microphone with the best hockey announcer in North America, bar none. College now killing off this penalty on Chalk. Toledo down in the zone all the way to the left corner trying to set up a guy in front of the net. It's all the way right. Point shot, save, and a rebound. Nice move, Henley jams his guy off the plate. And there's no goal. Is there? Yep. The Comet defenseman kicked it in. Turned wide as Koichi coming to center. Fort Wayne line swept away by the Fort Wayne defense as out comes Thorne down on the corner. As uh, Comets with Schrock coming up with the puck again. He's there. He's looking back on the side of the net. It's knocked. Another drive. Score! The rebound goes to Risk on a shot by Schrock. So Schrocker sets it up. Comets regain the lead at 3.06. Hard work, because Schrock had been tagged a tough shot. 
He came right back, didn't even check the number, grabbed the puck, worked his way down, took the shot, and just came right out in front. Risk was there and buried it. That's the first points this line has gotten so far this year. Look out now. Here they come on Chapter 48, Signing Off. Along the way, with every bump in the road, there were always people to encourage me. I never had any negative vibes about what I was doing. So many people were around to help me as it went along, and the people who helped me the most were my family because of the crazy life I led. Being gone 40 to 50 nights during winter traipsing all over the world takes a pretty special wife to start with. The people that I work for at WoWo could have at any time given me limitations, but they allowed me to do my thing. I always got encouragement from them. I don't think I ever made any enemies. I made some temporary enemies with some fans from some areas, but in the long run, those are the same people who came back years later and said, Bob, remember when? I really feel bad about what I did. Then they apologized for how badly they behaved. They have all come back and been friendly with me. I need to thank all the coaches and players too, the way they welcomed me into the dressing room and the insights they gave me. I hope that when I'm finished with all those people in their careers, that we remain friends. I always try to treat everybody with respect. Some people I characterized, hopefully not in a negative manner, but reacted to their demeanor on the ice, and my description sometimes projected that. All my memories are pleasant, even some of the worst situations. You can look back now and smile, and be thankful. It's a life where I wouldn't change a thing. I can never in my own mind live up to the respect I've gotten from fans all over. It has kept me humble. And all I can say is thank God I was given the opportunity to have a positive effect and enhance people's lives and give the enjoyment through the sport. The final thing I can say is thank you, Murph. Thank you, kids, and thank God. Good evening. We are at the Rushmore Plaza Civic Center Ice Arena. And, of course, that's in Rapid City, South Dakota, the home of the Rush. This is Game 6 in the Best of 7 Series. All right, it will be Sir Kelly into the faceoff against Risk to start it. Comets pick it off. Molly with the puck. He goes cross rink to Henley. On News Talk 1190, and now on 92.3 FM. We got her, and let's see who got it. Uh, Tommy Mealy, I think, got the goal breaking out of the corner. We'll have to confirm it. I'm not sure of it yet, but the time of the goal was 4.32. Behind the net, it's Vascoboo. Vascoboo fights hard for it. Comets get it back. Now Josh got it. Skates away from the check. Here he comes, looking behind the net again. Vascoboo, right out the front. Unable to reach it in time was OJ. Up the wall they come. Here's Henley with a drive. It's high. Back in the corner, played by OJ. Off behind the net. Vascoboo's got it again. Henley coming up the slot. There it is. Shot. Score! Henley cruising up the slot. Perfect pass from Vascoboo. Bang, bang. We got it for two. Here they come behind the net. This time Maggio's got it again. Nice move. Wow. Here they go. Good pass in the zone. OJ front of the net. A shot. A save on the play as Chalk is lined up by Couch behind the net. As Risk ties up his guy. Up top they can. Broken up for a moment. Trying to get a screenshot. Score. Here's the drive, and sent to the corner. Out front again, a scramble. Oh, and I mean to tell you, the penalty call on Henry was a bad one. You'd know who'd get it right off the bat. Mr. Sucker Puncher, Rainey. Thomas tried to get a play. It's cleared to center ice, though. Kicked loose by Leo Thomas, and it'll be covered by Couch as he's chased all the way down into the zone by Roll, the new guy. 
And we have the buzzer and the end of period number one with the Comets leading two to one. And we're back ready to roll second period of play. Coming back up the wall at center. Nice lead pass. Risk into the zone. Around it comes to Schrock. He's there. Shot. Oh! Skate right through the rebound that time was Risk. News Talk 1190. Whoa, whoa. And now on 92.3 FM. Okay. 8.08. Reader ties it up on a power play goal 2-2. Stock on the forecheck. Here it is. Zaskerville really upends his guy. In go the Comets. A drive behind the net. Oh, Zaskerville. Got a backhander. Couldn't get it. It came wide. And it's going to be Thorne with a shot. Rebound. Nobody there for it. And Thorny was there, and nobody followed the rebound. And that's it. At the end of two periods of play, it is a 2-2 two, two tie. And on Wo Comet Hockey. Right now, though, the attraction with 13 seconds left on the clock is dropped the puck for period three. Let's see who's going to come up with a victory here. Sends it in the corner. After it goes Schrock down the wall. In goes Schrock. He's got the biscuit. Came up with it again. Right on the it. Tried to jam it. Didn't make it work. Risk up ice. It is going to be Milam. Milam stick handles. In he goes up the middle. Looks. He shoots. It's a rebound. Oh, and Schrock just couldn't get there in time. Chases Couch out the puck. Comets have it. OJ gets it back. Here's Baskerville. Baskerville in front of the net. Nobody there for the rebound. They get it again. Another shot. Back in the corner. OJ behind the net. He gets away again. OJ out at the point. From the point. Cross point pass. DeAngelis looks. Frankie at the net. It went wide again. A roughing call. And it is against the Crybabies. We have one rush coming. Here comes Lovell on his way. Good lead pass. Leo into the zone. Risk has it. Left side. Here's Milam. Milam looks. He feeds it back in the corner. Leo's got it there. Leo gets around the check. Up the middle. Here's Lovell on the wing. A drive. Knocked down in front of the net. Another drive behind the net. Comets get it back. Up the wall. Picked up. Some on a drive. A wide open net. Scored. Comets. The goal to risk as he crashed the net just as the power play was over. Wow. What what a piece of pressure that was. So the Comets have claimed the lead with four minutes left. Look out. On the move, all the way up at center. Tipped nicely as risk at the line. Goes after another one. He's got it in the corner. Oh, you knew that was coming. Oh, come on. You knew it was coming. And guess what? They got a five-on-three on us again. Ready, set. Back they come, and it's held at the point. Look out, far wall. Here they go. Drive, score! In they come. As Henley let his guy by him. Look out. Right out front. Comets have it back. Henley fights for the puck. At the front of the net. Look out. And they can't get it again. Comets move it out. Out they go. Comets are back. Up by Sears basketball with four seconds. In he goes. He's there. Couldn't get the shot away. They go in shooting. Save on the play at the buzzer. So at the end of regulation, we're tied. Three, three. Wild and woolly all the way down the line. And on Wolo, Comet Hockey. Here we come. Risk ties up his guy. 
after the puck. Hard goes Thorne. Gets a hit on his guy right away by Daichi. Thomas with it again. Henley behind the net. Waits, has room. Comes back out the wall. The center right. Here they go. Into the zone. That Thomas with a drive. It's right score! Comets get the goal. Shot. The assist from Daskabu. And the Comets have eliminated the rush to go on to the finals in, I told you, either quick or never. 51 seconds in, in the OT. Chalker gets the goal. They'll line up for the handshake. And they'll be ready to head to the next uh, plateau. Now we're going to go home. That's all we have for you right now. Comets win big time. So there's our show. I want to thank the great Bob Chase for everything uh, he has done for me throughout the years. Also, Bob's family has been wonderful to me. And, of course, all you Comet fans for uh, helping me out along the way and helping me uh, uh, transition into Bob's spot. Of course, big shoes to fill, and I'm so happy that I've been able to do it. And I think I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. But uh, never be quite living up to Bob, but uh, that's okay, and that's not exactly a bad thing. So make sure uh, everybody is coming out Thursday. Thursday for the Bob Chase Memorial Game. I know it's Thanksgiving, but that was Bob's favorite night of the year. He always said hockey season officially starts on Thanksgiving night. So that's what we're going to have. Bob Chase Memorial Game this Thursday, 7.30 against the Wheelie Nailers. That is our show. We will return next week with some uh, uh, some normal episodes. We got a few in the can. We got a few, su- few surprises coming up for you in the next couple of weeks. So uh, thanks for listening, and that is the show.